and welcome to Potluck, a weed sommelier podcast. My name is Liz, and I am your host and weed sommelier. I review weed products, recommend things to munch on, and talk to guests about their history with cannabis. I've been a consumer for 10 years, and I am located in southern Maine, where it is legal medically and recreationally. I am joined today by weed comedian Alex Giampapa. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hello there. Yeah, so Alex, uh, the first time I met this gentleman, he roasted the shit out of me at one of his shows. Uh, but I told him he owed me one, and this is me calling in that favor. Um, so thank you to be, thank you for agreeing to be on. Sure thing. And uh, I thought that I thought you took the roasting uh, quite well, and uh, it was very admirable. And I, you know, I um, I talk to the crowd a lot, but I I feel that I do it in a way that you know is is clearly just joking around, and you know, uh, people seem to enjoy it. But you do get quite negative responses sometimes occasionally uh so negative they're violent you know what i mean but you were you were cool and uh i appreciated you you very much yeah um, I, friendly I, heckles are, are rare but but nice yeah i don't know if it was necessarily heckling i didn't realize i was the uh this was for like a, a oh my gosh it was a show of hands or like a poll about who in here is polyamorous and i was the only yes. person and i like uh someone behind me yelled <laughs> out like oh i was supposed to say something instead of raising my hand because well we're sitting in the dark and you have a spotlight um yeah, i think yeah. the edible's kicking in i think i think that's where <laughs> this is coming from but let me get we can talk more about that in the back half but let me get through sure. you know the the skeleton of the show yep yep uh, yep how long have you been a weed consumer and do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share? Um, I've been a weed consumer since I was about, actually, I was a little older than than most people would think. Uh, I was 17, which is, uh, I feel like a lot of people start smoking when they're 12. Um, not that I approve of beginning to smoke weed at, at either age. You should probably start when you're like 35 but I digress. Uh, I, you know what? It's funny. There are actually a number of 12 year olds, but I'd say it's probably one third, 12 year olds, a third, 17 year olds. And then, you know, a third, 37 year olds, maybe not that high. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, also, there's, there's, a, a, there's a good percentage of like 88 year olds that are just trying it. You know what I mean? There's so much less of a stigma and so much else going on. That's a goal for season eight, my man. I got to find Maine's oldest <laughs> weed smoker. If you happen to know that person, you know, let me know. I uh, I like to get to know him. <clears throat> I, um, uh, excuse me, I'm taking a drink of water here, which I'm sure uh, has happened on your show uh, many times before. Are you shitting me? I felt my mouth start drying out halfway through the, uh, <laughs> the intro and I looked over yeah. my water glass was empty. So <laughs> if I disappear at some point, I am also choking water. <laughs> so I'm, I'm 32. So it's been like 15 years. And, um, you know, I mean, as far as credentials go, I, I just recorded a comedy special uh, at a, at a high performance comedy show. Uh, that is a show where, the comedians smoke weed with the crowd uh and it's you know it obviously produces some some very very funny moments um so i was really i was really pumped and honored i got to do my first comedy special uh at high performance comedy um so you know feel free to go check that out <clears throat> i also helped start the show uh back in like 2015 or we started it exactly uh on the date that weed was legalized in massachusetts 
for the record. Officially, officially speaking? Officially speaking, for the record, because I'm on recording right now. Uh, So uh, so we started it, you know, we were doing it in basements and residences, backyards, you know, because you could you could legally do that at that time. And uh, Massachusetts is now sort of preparing to roll out um, social consumption at some point in the future. Um, so it's it's cool to be, you know, just sort of a part of that whole thing. Because um, I still help uh, put some of the shows together. Uh, I still do a bunch of weed shows myself uh, in and around Boston. And looking to come up into, uh, you know, Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire and such um, to enjoy the rest of beautiful new england as well uh sometime soon um but that's pretty much my my weed credibility yeah you know normally people talk about like for instance my my fun fact that i give as an example is to tell people i ate an entire loaf of bread and an entire stick of butter in one sitting (laughs) okay Um, And so these are like, I mean, you're, uh, you're, we're both professionals in this industry. It still counts as getting paid if it's weed, man. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The barter system has been a standard since the dawn of time. Yeah. And it's also, you know, if I'm getting paid money at a show, I'm just going to buy weed. So we're really (laughs) cutting out the middleman. Yeah. Um, Moving forward. Mm-hmm. I would uh we're introducing the strain or product. You know, I think I should publish the outline I do for this show. I wonder if people would shoot me a message if you'd be interested in seeing that. Yeah. Um but now we're gonna talk about the this week's weed product, which is uh I'm not entirely sure uh, the I'm gonna talk about this more later, but it says Lakine Kitchen Firefly Organics. Um, and then it says gummy about 12 times. So I'm not entirely sure what the title or like the name of this product is or necessarily even which company is producing it. I'm guessing Firefly <laughs> or, or Organics gave them the weed. But yeah, we're talking about a 10 milligram gummy that's really hitting the spot right now. All right. Moving on to the munchy moment of the week. Uh, what do you like to snack on when you have the munchies, Alex? Okay, this is I have kind of a sicko answer. Uh I and I want to I want to advocate for a snack um, as well while I'm here. Uh, pork rinds, pork rinds uh, get a lot of hate, I think. And obviously, if someone is vegan or doesn't eat meat, then you know uh, they wouldn't eat pork rinds. But for people who do, um, they're a crunchy, salty snack, and they're actually pretty healthy. Uh, I try to eat healthy as much as i can and uh pork rinds are you know it tastes like a carb it feels like <laughs> is that the is that the uh, tagline it tastes like a carb it should be pork rinds doesn't have good marketing i would <clears throat> i could get pork rinds just like as a product i could get its gdp up by 500 <clears throat> percent in a week if they put me in charge it's it's a delicious snack it's keto friendly it's um I really think the name is what's really dragging it down. Pork rinds. That's like a cheese yeah. rind. Who eats the who eats the rind on a brie? Um, yeah, it's terrible. It should be maybe pork skins. Ooh, I don't know if that's necessarily better. I mean, potato skins, that has a whole mouthwatering attachment to that name. But I honestly think it's the branding. Like I'm, the only pork rinds I'm familiar with in media is when Helga Pataki from Hey Arnold uh, got nightmares because she kept falling asleep eating pork rinds yeah yes which was which was really which was in retrospect if you look back 
it was actually Frito-Lay putting out propaganda in the 90s to make pork rinds seem like they give you nightmares. Yeah, is that is that a pet theory of yours or do you have any facts to back this it's, up? I mean, it's, you know, it's a developing theory. I can say that much. Otherwise, the information is classified. <laughs> the investigation is ongoing. Yeah, precisely. I cannot comment on an ongoing investigation. Yeah. You know, if there are pictures, I feel like they do that thing where they put like a jacket over their client's head. There'd just be a big jacket over pork rinds. No comment. <laughs> no questions. Yeah, they've been subject to a lot of propaganda by powerful people for a long time for, for good reason. Anyway, that's my snack. My recommended munch for this week is uh, I have mixed feelings about Blue Diamond almonds as a whole. Um, however, they recently released, I don't think you should grow almonds in a place that needs you to like ship water in from other countries. Like you should not be going growing almonds in California if each almond requires one gallon of water to grow. That being said, um, they have blueberry almonds and I was like, there's no way these are good, but it turns out they're fucking incredible. Like you can <laughs> munch these babies up on a salad. You just eat them straight out of a car, uh, you know, like on a road trip. Uh, these are these are a nut I would consider picking up off the floorboard if I dropped it and I was like, oh, the floor's not too dirty. Nice. Yep. So that's my that's my recommended munch. Blue Diamond Almonds. There's sponsorship opportunities open galore on the show. However, I would feel weird about Blue Diamond because uh, there's just something about the state of California I don't care for. Maybe it's because I live in Maine, but that state is too long it should be like three different states <laughs> all right moving on once again alex you know what time it is what time is it you ready to do some weed i am are all you right. yeah let's do it cool My name is Liz Lane and I suffer from a chronic illness. I spend most of my time focusing on taking care of myself and pain management. However, there are certain things I just can't do for myself that make a huge difference when it comes to my quality of life. I've been working with my massage therapist, Kayla, at Ascension Massage since she was a student. Kayla and I have developed a trust that allows me to relax and her to accomplish bodywork that leaves me feeling like my pain no longer consumes me constantly. Massage therapy has given me part of my life back that I thought was gone for good. Kayla and her mother, Carrie, are accepting clients seven days a week in Kennebunk. Reach out to them at ascensionmassagemain.com and they'll be in touch. I ask a lot of questions, and let me front you another. Are you on the level? Level mushrooms are a vegan and gluten-free way to lift your spirits by using psilocybin to combat mental, physical, and spiritual weariness. Using strains like Stormtrooper, cultivated by professionals in Southern Maine. I am ride or die for this company. I love Level for chronic pain relief and emotional enlightenment. They have gummies, chocolate bars, and capsules to personalize your experience and level up at your leisure. From micro to moderate to magnum, raspberry to mint to coffee, Level can get you there. How will you level up? 
Use code POTLUCKY, all one word capitalized, for 10% off your first order. Check out level.md on Instagram or levelmushrooms.com for more information. Imagine the possibilities. This is uh, 8-2-23, Lakine 10 milligram gummy, uh, guava gummy, and Alex G and Papa part two. Welcome back. Uh, Thank you. This week's guest, Alex, has a weed word that he would like to share with us. If you or a friend has a word that you think deserves airtime, leave us a message on Anchor. Make sure to include your name, a definition, and its use in a sentence. I guarantee you, if anyone does this, it will be on the show, pending absolute foulness. All right, take it away, Alex. I don't know if this is really um, a weed word, but it's a word that's fun to use when you're on weed. So yeah, I would say it is. Anyway, it's PUD. What? PUD. P-U-D? Yeah. You know, I'm curious to hear your definition, because I know this word in a, in a certain context. Yeah, it's pro- I don't think it's the same one. Okay, uh, alright. For me, for, for me, it's a, it's a boring guy. That's the definition, just a boring dude? Yeah, it's like a guy who's fucking boring, you know, that guy's a fucking PUD. Yeah, okay. So, like, calling you know someone I mean? a putz? Or a putz? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty close to putz. Putz is good, too. Calling someone, like, a a no-good Nick or a, a jaybird, <laughs> those are, I think those are real 40s terms that I, I, I have a hard time insulting people. I try to be, you know, I, I don't know, we, we don't label yourself as in, like, a, what do you call it, an insult comic, right? You, you do crowd work, but you have, you mm-hmm. know, your thing. Yeah, yeah. The crowd work is it's mostly serves as a, a way to connect with the audience to to set up an idea. Um whereas a lot of comics get the idea from the crowd work, like asking the crowd things. So, you know, I I just I, I think I should really just call it like talking to the crowd. You know, a conversation. Yes, precisely. Um you know, you just turn a chair backward and sit on it and say, what's up, man? What's been going on? <laughs> it's just so I can really get down to earth and connect with them. Some comedians will sit on the stool. Which you is, don't do the stool? I don't sit on the stool, no. It seems ridiculous. I'm already, like, I'm already being pretty lazy up there. I, like, don't move. <laughs> I just stand there. Yeah, you got talk. the you got one hand in your pocket. You got some, you know, slight shifting. That's uh, that's basically every white guy on any dance floor ever. Exactly, exactly. That's all. That's all we need to do. That's you know, how easy it is. Let the wind take you. You know, just like a <laughs> like a what do you call it? A weather vane. Um, all right, so you <laughs> like need, a plastic bag. Yeah. Yeah, like a plastic bag. You got to use that in a sentence for me one time, and then uh, we can we can move on. Um. No, he's not gonna come smoke. He's a fucking pud. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's how we would use it. Fucking, you kind of need the fucking in front of it. Apostrophe or a G at the end. Apostrophe for sure. Fucking pud. Yeah, it, I can it see. It activates. It activates the word. 
if you will. Activates, yeah. Do you have yeah. a, on the topic of activation, do you have an edible activation phrase? Um, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for me, I have to shit talk my edible a little bit to get it to kick in, so I have to say this edible ain't shit, and then, you know, ten minutes later, I'm staring at my hand wondering, uh, yeah, you know, what's up? Um, yep, same. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, that's kind of, uh, you gotta be you gotta tease a racehorse a little bit to, to make it mad um yeah. to go faster but uh moving on yeah. to puff pass peer review um so this well i have thoughts about this product most of them are positive i would say uh like it had a plastic safety seal it's more recyclable than a plastic container because i believe it's made out of aluminum it has an address on the back um let's see it does have the safety triangle, but I wish it had one on the front somewhere. They have the word gummy spelled out 12 like, you know, 12 times across, kind of like a clock. Um, and I feel like that space could be better utilized. I don't know, maybe with like a phone number or some kind of QR code, something that people can get more information because, you know, you just, gum, we get their gummies. We'll figure that out. Um all right, it has the net weight, it has the dosage, it has the ingredients list, and an Instagram handle, which are all positives in my opinion. Um, some questionable things, uh, you know, it had gummies 12 times. I, I wonder at what point they're like, this logo seems a little empty. What'll balance it out? Um, gummies, I think was the answer. Um, there's a sticker on the back with the flavor label that was added later. Um, so it, it seems like they might be printing the same... Um, you know, nutritional facts and like ingredients for each like different flavor, but they're, I guess they have a, the same base recipe. Um, Lakine Kitchen, I tried to figure out what the fuck kind meant. Um, and as near as I could figure out, it's an archaic word for cow. I go to a place called Cow Kitchen. I think I'd want to see cows cook. Um, yeah, I will say that this is not clearly a weed product if you were to just see it sitting on a table. Um, or Firefly Organics, that could mean anything. It could be a health food product. Um, however, I think it needs to be a little bit more clear. Because if you were digging around in someone's purse and, like, I don't know, looking for some candy, a breath mint, you might pull those out and not think to look at the back. That does make you an asshole. However, you shouldn't suffer for it. So I think, you know, another safety triangle might be a good idea. Um, this gummy, I will say, is the most refreshing gummy I've had in such a fucking long time. It tastes like summer, like when you wake up early on a summer morning and it's a little cool, but the sun's starting to rise and you get to see the sunrise. It's, uh, it's very, it's flavorful. It's bright. I enjoyed the color. It was a beautiful coral. And I had some, uh, leftover sugar at the bottom, which I, of course, immediately ate. Um, there were 10 in this pack, meaning they're 10 milligrams each. Um, lovely fabulous i would definitely get these again in fact i was thinking about actively searching these out again but unfortunately there's no phone number um so I, I shot them a message on instagram and now we wait um uh if i were to give it a number probably like an eight and a half out of ten boom segment over um do you have any weed you'd like to shout out alex uh gorilla glue gorilla yeah yeah that's the I smoke Gorilla Glue before I perform every time, so it's sort of I have an emotional attachment to it. Will any Gorilla Glue do, or does it have to be the standard? Because I see like GG four, GG twelve out there, and I know there is some like legal issues using that name because Gorilla Glue is like you know, 
yeah. a whole other thing. But so, will any gorilla glue do, or is this a very is this like a heritage plant that you bring with you to every you know performance <laughs> that you trim? Uh, it seems like it's GG4 a lot around here, but no, I, I really just get whatever strain. And it'll you'll see it as gorilla glue, original glue, glue. Uh, there's there's a whole lot of stuff that that's you know needed to be done. It's kind of funny. I had a uh, I had a bag one time that was you know like the strain formerly known as Girl Scout cookies because <laughs> actual. Girl Scout cookies found out about that strain and like got pissed because they were like, we, you know, we don't want people to think that we have these children running around selling that, you know. They could uh, though, and they'd make so much money. They would make more. Yeah, I wonder. What, sm- yeah. I wonder at what point they had to call it quits because they're like, oh shit, well, uh, you know, Girl Scout cookies is making people buy more girl- like actual cookies, but uh, who at what point i would like to broker the deal i would like to tear down this berlin wall if you will and bring girl scout cookies the cookie company and girl scout cookies the strain together to make an edible (laughs) that's an incredible idea yeah i mean it's you know you got to break some barriers but i'd like to do it girl scout brownies or i'm just trying to figure out like the special like a you know a signifier this is their weed line as opposed to their like you know child-friendly line yeah woman scout cookies girl scout Scout cookies not for children that's just what it's called that's what the product is called yeah unless they're epileptic i guess there's probably some reasons here here all right moving on to blowing smoke the interview portion what was your first experience with weed um it's so funny because there's not actually like one first first time that stands out to me it's more you know it's more like an era um my first first time i think was just driving around and hitting a bowl named spike uh which was a bowl that uh just had big spikes coming off the end of it it was like a big guy too so it lived for a long time I swear to God, the the kid had this piece for like 10 years, I think. What happened to it? Eventually, eventually it broke. It was, you know, we all, we all took a bow for a minute. A piece doesn't usually last that, you know, it's like meeting somebody who's like 118 years old. You're like, God damn. Yeah, I was told, you know, before dispensaries and head shops, uh, people had to go to fish concerts and stand in a parking lot waiting for some guy to show them, like, you know, glassware that he made himself. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Imagine that. I just did. Uh, (laughs) What is your, do you have a general history of consumption? Like, you know, most people, some people start and then they take a big break and then get back later as an adult. And some people, you know, start at 12 yeah. and never stop, you know, chuffing. It's, it's eras. It's uh, when I was starting, I'm a teenager. Uh, it's just like, holy shit, this is amazing. It's a dream world. Then eventually um, just started doing it to chill at night. And I made a distinction between, you know, um wanting to be high all day versus using it kind of like more like a reward mm. um 
and that's that's what I got into eventually. And then uh, the third era is has been you know the last few years where I've just had some like chronic pain uh, type stuff, and uh, marijuana has been incredibly beneficial for that. Uh, you know, not just in not just in the sense of like, oh, I feel better because I'm stoned. Like it's doing actual stuff in my body that helps. Uh, so that's been sort of the, you know, impetus. What it's yeah, what it's all come to. Um, it was, it was casually just sort of smoking weed to get high for a while, and then sort of falling out of that, and then finding um, an all new, very useful sort of uh use for it um later on in life and then i also smoke before i go up and i uh i very much like what it does for my comedy you have a we're going to talk about being a teenager a second but you have a, a phrase or something uh that like you have a bit about like oh i just something you call something doing my best um yeah <laughs> instead of calling it getting high i call it getting better and I yeah. tell the crowd, and if I'm being real with you guys, I'm feeling a little bit better right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As someone who also has chronic pain and does weed to, like, live my fucking life through it, um, I commend yeah. you for your honesty. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. And it's like, you know, it's different for different people. Like, you know, when I was younger, I would just smoke weed all day. And then eventually I was like, no, wait, because a lot of people do that who are not, who do not have chronic pain. Which, you know, it, it's up to you. Absolutely what you want to do. I'm not judging you. But you can also use it positively um, if you don't necessarily, quote unquote, need it. Like some people take five milligrams to sleep and it's like, all right, good for you. You're finding some use for it, too. Um, so, you know, I, I like to stress that it's not only for one thing and everybody has a different relationship with it. And I wish more people, uh, you know embraced it regardless of their position hell yeah man that's what this podcast is for raising I, yeah. mean, I mean raising awareness and like decreasing uh stigmatisms no wait hold on yeah. a, an astigmatism no that's not it stigmas stigmas, stigmas. okay stigmas stigmatas it's, you know, it's easy well no it's easy to say it's easy to fuck that up astigmatism is uh it's in your eye and uh stigmata that's in your hand jesus's hand uh -huh. <laughs> yeah um oh man I, I had a good segue earlier but um how has weed changed in your lifetime and as a follow-up <laughs> question how has your comedy changed you know you started performing at 19 um surely there's been some adjustments made since then yeah it um it's uh well yeah it's come a long way it's it's kind of crazy to think about but you know weed has changed largely in legality um you know when i was when i was in high school uh we decriminalized it in massachusetts in like 08 i graduated high school in like 2010 and then you slowly saw it just be in this weird gray area until 2016 where we voted to legalize it and then after that it was crazy seeing um you know marijuana go from being a street drug 
you know, essentially street drug to having dispensaries everywhere in like a very quick, a very quick brief period of time. Um, or so it feels. I, uh, I agree. There's like a, I call it the weed mile. There's like four different dispensaries all on the same side of the road within, I want to say like three or four miles of each other. And it cracks me up going by and I'm like, yeah. You could give someone directions like, oh, no, no, you want to you want to go past the third dispensary. But if you hit the fourth one, you might as well buy something, but you should turn around. <laughs> That's what it is, man. It's uh, I mean, you know, whatever. It's uh, it's you know. That's a, a new a new market trying to establish itself. Um, you know. Sorry, I uh, I accidentally muted my microphone as I was speaking. I was saying it was a new market trying to uh, find itself. Yeah, absolutely. As yeah. a comedian at nineteen, you know, did you do you feel like you found yourself? You know, yeah. Then? Yeah, and uh, it's, it's, it takes a long, long time. It's uh, just a lot of trial and error, and it's crazy because, you know, in comedy, it's it's not like you play a song and then try to, like, gauge uh, people's reaction. It's um, it's just them reacting to, to you, <laughs> like, in real time. And when you start off in comedy, you start realizing, like, oh, some of these things I'm trying to do to be funny are, like kind of uh, repulsive to the audience you know and that's just some of that is examining who you are um you know i did a show in uh san francisco i was probably like uh, you know i was probably 24 25 and uh we did this show where you would do a set and then you would go outside and smoke a jay and come back in and you would do another set and yeah, I did my first set and I did, I went pretty well. I was always very meticulous about which jokes I was going to do when and and how and how they were all worded and this and that. And then I came back, I did the second set and I did better, which like, you know, <laughs> it's rare for a lot of comics. Uh, but for me, it was perfect. And from that point forward, I usually would smoke before I went up. And, uh, it's just, it works for me, you know? So the evolution for weed and for my comedy has been that I found a way to, you know, um, kind of use it to make the experience better for me and, and for the audience too. I know probably most comedians, you know, stuff that happens to them in their life becomes material. Where do you find inspiration for material? Uh, just everywhere i I never have a cool answer for this but i have a i have a memo pad in my phone uh that has i'll check right now um and i would say you know you don't have to have an impressive answer for this thing as long as it's an honest answer that's you know that's all i'm curious about and i think you know inspiration comes from small places yeah yeah absolutely i also i just have like (laughs) What looks like a manifesto, my memo <laughs> pad. It's, I have so many joke notes. It's just anytime I think of anything I might that might be funny, I write it down. So I have six thousand four hundred and sixty-three notes. Fuck yeah! Incredible. Yeah. And they're all different. 
I think that's a, like a like a really how do you differentiate your notes? Is it you know you know one new idea per per note or? Yes. Yeah, six thousand. That's a that's a pretty big fucking number, Alex. Yeah, but like you know, like five thousand of them might be just just bad. That still means one thousand ones that probably will work though, and that's that's important is writing shit down. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So on the idea, moving on from or, uh, on the on the topic of writing stuff down. What is yep. the process like when it comes to, you know, having an idea, turning it into a joke, and then turning it into a performance? Um, well, I actually, I, I kind of just riff a lot of my jokes the first time I do them. So, like, I'll write down the idea on my phone, and it'll just say, like, you know, like, pud. <laughs> and then I'll go up, and I'll kind of, you know, like I did with you, I kind of, like, pitch the idea to the audience. And, uh, I, uh, record it right that's very important so i record a video of myself doing the joke trying it for the first time and i watch it and i see their reaction and i sort of just trim down what i'm going to say so the first time you do it i don't know i you know i'll stammer here or there or start a phrase go back another way because you have to be very precise uh in how you do it sometimes so I'll watch it and like, you know, when you get in the shower and shower thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So you think of something you should have said in some conversation at some point. Or like you have like a fake argument in your Absolutely. head. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh stand up is like that, but you get to actually like go back to the argument. You know? So I'm gonna be in the situation again so i watch the way that i said it to the person or whatever happened and then i try to sort of just imagine how i would make that better and slowly you start to polish the idea and it becomes a rehearsed you know quote-unquote written but i i don't really write that much down uh you do record though and that's i would say that's maybe arguably more important to see how you're physically delivering these and you know hearing when people respond but yep yeah it's i do write some stuff down uh, you know I, I go through phases and stuff but it's uh it's just like a muscle i have now i know what to listen for and what to cut build out that muscle i mean performing that's the thing stand up is fucked up because you can only practice it when you're doing it it's the only thing you can only practice when you're doing it, uh, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Probably, yeah, but it's so, you know, when you start out, you're doing shows and open mics and stuff, and you're actively just bombing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I actually, I tried to do stand-up once, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm an experienced poet, and I've been published before, and I'm, I'm really confident in that area, and so I wrote... What I thought was like a, you know, uh, a funny take on capitalism about yeah. in the Cars universe, uh, Disney Pixar's Cars, <laughs> um, and not a fucking soul laughed. Um, yeah. And I'm still living that down. That happened in December. And I've since decided if I ever go back to Cheese Louise for open mic, I'm just going to tell fucking like the jokes I tell people at drive throughs when they look miserable. Like, um, yeah. Alex, yeah. Why, are, why are dogs so good at floating? 
Why? Because they're good boys. <laughs> yeah, see, that yeah. made me laugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's like stand up is, um, <laughs> there's so much of it. Like, there's so much stand up that's that's bad. So much of it is bad. Lots and lots and lots of good stuff. Um, and that's you know, all the bad stuff is makes the good stuff worth it but like in its essence it's just someone at a cheese louise is a pizza place right no they're actually like a grilled cheese place oh okay okay all right portland uh <laughs> yeah all right portland <laughs> uh but yeah you're just basically at a grilled cheese shop like trying like telling telling puns into a microphone like shouting like, into that's... the void yeah, that's that's so much that's so much of stand up, which is what, you know, people who people who have not tried it don't realize like the the pit. Like you start in the fuck. Have you seen The Dark Knight Rises? Uh it's been a while, but yes. There's like uh Batman's like down in the pit. Yes. Those people like chanting and they're like nobody's ever made it out. That's like what the open mics and stand up comedy are like. Yeah, I've I didn't feel like, uh, I didn't feel like I would be eaten alive when I was performing. My friends were watching, and even they weren't laughing. But <laughs> I've come to accept that uh, sh- being shitty is the first part about being good, and you gotta shit that out and then get better. Yeah, pretty much. It's like you know, I've I've seen a lot of comics, and it's um, it's a skill that you can like work on and get better at, and you have to because. Again, imagine if the first time you drove was your first time driving. That's yep. what it's like. Yeah. I, I managed to uh, put the car, stop the car while it was still in reverse, and then it rolled cool. down a driveway. So, yeah, I'm glad. That, that's a great metaphor, Alex. Thanks. Um, so you've, you know, you've performed a lot, and you've also performed with pretty established, you know, comedians like Bill Burr, Hannibal Burris, uh, Burgess, pardon me, and Adam Devine. Was there any like comedian that was especially memorable or surprising? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Bill Burr. I think Bill Burr is like one of the best I've seen live. Chappelle was also kind of on that level with Burr, where the skill was outstanding. But I also, when I I lived in New York for a while, and I got to see a lot of guys um, and gals and theys uh, who were. I mean, just incredibly unique and original. And eventually I realized, like, that's kind of, that's what it's about. Bill Burr and Chappelle are huge. Um, But there's comics that are, you know, on that level who are simply just not as famous. So their their trajectories don't go in the same place. Um, But, like, uh, I mean, I think Maria Bamford is, like, one of the most underrated comedians. I think she's probably the most underrated comedian uh, there is. Um, but I saw again, like some really original comics, like uh, Judah Friedlander. I think was one of my favorites to watch. He was uh, he was on Thirty Rock. He's always wearing a hat. Oh glass. shit! Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He rocks. He's a cool guy. He does tons of crowd work, and he did it in a way that was like very different this was during the 
like 2020 Democratic primaries. And so it was all those people, you know, it was Bernie, Biden, Warren, Andrew Yang, like tons of just random different people kind of showing up. And he just did like, he just sat down with everyone and he was like, uh, who do you guys like? And they just, he went through and kind of, they listed every candidate and he just, you know, he riffed on it, but he also didn't pressure himself to be like super funny in the moment. He just kind of like talked about politics a little bit here and there. And I was like, Oh, he turned the show into like something else that isn't exactly stand up for a minute, but it was still very engaging and entertaining to the audience. Um, and that kind of that kind of that kind of just made me think that there was more possible, you know, when you're doing stand up than just hope they like this joke, hope they like this joke. Uh, so that was super interesting to me. Um, and I would I would say that actually is my sort of favorite uh, experience I've had watching a comic as a comic. Yeah, I having experienced, you know, like over a decade plus experience in the comedy industry. Can you see the inner workings of, you know, people performing on stage? Do you have any, you know, insight into the performances of others because of your experience? Yeah, yeah. That's like what comics are doing a lot of the time Um, is like kind of trying to figure out what the other person's doing. Um and when you're newer and it still happens with me sometimes you know you see comics do stuff and it feels like they're a a jedi because you know it's so i mean it feels like magic you're like an audience member then eventually over time you realize like oh that's how they set that up that's how they got their cue for that there's little things that you can you know little tricks you can have that are subtle but you know eventually uh you figure them out seeing a comic more than once is also a good way to to do that um but it's uh really when someone when another comic comes up to you and they describe what you're doing you know in a way that you're not really revealing it makes you respect them as a comic because they've sort of figured out they figured out what the trick is yeah i've been doing uh improv for uh i want to say over a year at this point and i I read the ucb handbook and how to be the greatest improviser in the world by will hines and it, it talked a lot about the game of a scene and you know establishing your reality and then breaking out the weird stuff do you think there's overlap into you know stand up comedy yeah yeah absolutely i think you know there's like with comedy there's a lot of different right ways to do it and like improv and stand-up are considered almost like like different different things um but you know in stand-up there's a lot of improvising especially now it's become more popular so you know i i think that the improvisers know a lot about stand-up and vice versa without the other knowing it but yeah they're in like rival camps which is (laughs) kind of funny um I think it comes down to if I said to you, you know, 
some crazy conspiracy theory type thing you'd be like all right well fucking he's like not so whatever but if i told you some crazy conspiracy thing and i was someone that you knew uh really well and respected then you would kind of hear me out uh same deal if i said some fucked up thing some overly personal i just if i just totally overshared thing traumatic with you uh same right um you have to build when establishing a rapport with the audience you know going back and forth is that you building kind of the a friendship with the crowd they have to get to know you i was gonna say reality but friendship that's a good way to put it that's how i look at it i want to like meet them and greet them and then you know as i get to know them and they get to know me i get a little more comfortable and i can talk about you know more stuff yeah, there's a lot of give and take in stand-up. What are some things that you get out of it? Um, I mean, one, I just love the practice of doing it. I feel good when I do it. Um, it's always been my dream to do it, and I, I get to do what is my dream. Uh, and then I also I, I make uh, money. So <laughs> those, two, those are like the main things. Yeah. Um, we are running out of time, unfortunately. So last few questions before you go. How would you describe your style or if you have a particular shtick that you work with, you know, for people unfamiliar with your performances? Yeah, um, I know we talked a lot about crowd work, but I only, you know, that's more like the greeting. I do a lot of satirical stuff, not necessarily. Well, you know, there's politics in there, too. I say it's more like social commentary, but uh, there's a lot of that type of stuff yeah how did you you know i know you as a weed comedian how did you come to like embrace that title i know you know after you know finding yourself more comfortable on stage after smoking but was there ever like an inciting event where you had to make a decision to like label yourself publicly as a weed comedian i just ended up getting labeled that way because (laughs) you know uh look let's just say there was a time where if they needed a comedian on the show and they didn't know who to book. It may have, it may have come to me because they were like, "Well, like, you know." My weed guy is pretty funny. Yeah, it's like if I'm just as funny as another guy, but he doesn't have weed. Like I have weed. Yeah. So, okay. So, how much? Last question before we go. How much would you say? Um, you know, succeeding in comedy, luck versus talent. Um, and I'm going to add in an addendum, like having weed in your pocket. You know, mm-hmm. is there a general percentages you would say that you've experienced? Yeah, it's it's a good question. It's 50-50. They're both, uh, they're both important. You got to have the talent to get, to get lucky. Because you got to try so many times. Yeah, there's a um, I don't know if it's Dol- uh, Dolomite or Eddie Murphy um, mm-hmm. or Rudy Ray Moore, but uh, someone in Dolomite is my name says um, uh, luck is where opportunity meets preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's something I try to keep with me, like, you know, I'll just keep preparing until I have an opportunity and make my own yeah. luck. Yeah, that's a, I mean, 
I believe the exact same thing. Groovy. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? No. Um, oh, uh, check out my comedy special. Just type my name in on YouTube. Fuck yeah, Alex G and Papa. Spelled like it sound. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Where would you like people to find you? Besides uh, on YouTube. In, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, or or X. Ugh. It's still it's still Twitter to me. You I know, think it'll I don't always be, be Twitter. Yeah, I don't I don't like being like a dead name or, or whatever, but you know, it's still I, Twitter to me. That's an interesting thought, and that's something I'll have to think about after I do the <laughs> outro. Um, so thank you for that uh, that you. interesting yeah. opinion. Um, and that is all the time we have. Thanks for listening. Our theme music is The Irish Washerwoman, as arranged by Maylee Charles. You can find Potlucky on Apple Music, Google Music, and Spotify. We also have an Instagram page. Feel free to post pictures of your smoking materials and tag me in them at Potlucky Podcast like what we do and want to see us grow consider supporting us on spotify for podcasters it is no longer called anchor and i keep forgetting to change that um you will hear from me next week until we get to season eight um but alex will be on stage having smoked and uh you know chilling with the audience so we're gonna say goodbye together so goodbye goodbye thanks for having me